listening to Dudes Talking Sports. I'm Casey Foreman. From the NBA to the NFL, I'll be giving you the most recent and up-to-date news in the world of sports. You can listen live every Monday at 5 p.m. Central Standard Time at SIUEWebRadio.com or on the TuneIn Radio app and every Wednesday wherever you get your podcasts. What is going on, everyone? You are listening to a very exciting episode of Dudes Talking Sports. I am your co-host, as always, Casey Foreman, alongside my co-host, Tanner Final. Tanner, great to be here with you with such a big episode. How are you doing, my man? I'm great. Uh, lots of big things. Milwaukee gets a victory in Game 3, yeah. and I got to sit down for about 25 minutes and interview a guy who is kind of one of my childhood heroes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So obviously, first half of the so obviously the first half of the show is going to start with our sit down interview with Brad Johnson. He gave us about twenty five minutes, and it was a really great interview. We talked about it a lot. Looking forward to everyone being able to listen, sit down, and listen to our to our chat with him. Like Tanner said, about twenty five minutes. We covered his playing career, what he's been doing after, uh, before he decided to even go into football. Right, so tons of stuff was covered. Can't wait for you all to listen to that. Stick around though for the second half of the show as well. All things basketball. So much is going on in the world of basketball right now. Uh, starting things off will be Ben Simmons. The 76ers are officially taking calls on the three time All Star. And Ben, we want to talk about the best possible landing spots for him and some trades that make sense on Philly's uh, Philly's standpoint then continuing on with the basketball topic the final still going on obviously Milwaukee like Tanner just uh, just talked about they won their first game in game three so we want to talk about if they can make the full comeback and go on to win the series and to wrap things up we'll talk about the Olympic uh, team USA uh, playing basketball as well how they have been underperforming so far and back-to-back losses we kind of want to break down what is going on with team USA say all things basketball in the second half of the show but tanner it's officially time to let the people hear it guys here comes our interview with the man himself brad johnson All right, Tanner and I are now being joined by 17-year vet, two-time Pro Bowler, Super Bowl champ, Brad Johnson's on Dudes Talking Sports. Brad, great to be here with you. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, man, it's awesome. I appreciate you guys reaching out. Look forward to being on your show. Thank you. Awesome, awesome. I know Tanner, uh, lifelong Bucks fan, super excited to get to, to, to sit down and really chat things over with you. Uh, I know he has a, a big question to start things off. All right, so Brad, we've seen you on TikTok doing these trick shots. Uh, we also know that you won the quarterback skill competition, beating guys like Tom Brady in that competition. What factor, if any, did winning the competition have in you posting these trick shots? Did that like inspire you? You know, my, my kids got on TikTok a little bit about a year ago. They're really kind of off of it now, but I kind of got hooked on. And the first on my TikToks, I did a lot of stuff in my playing career and some stuff. And then the last six months or so, I've done a lot of trick shots and just let people see some, you know, some basketball. I played basketball growing up in, in high school, played the year in North Carolina and played a couple years in Florida State. And then 
just it's one of my passions and football, obviously I can throw it. So I just kind of combine some stuff. And, and it's pretty neat to see there's so many talented people out there, but I just had fun doing it. I get a lot of exercise with it. Some of the stuff is easy and some of the stuff is pretty hard. So but I've enjoyed it. And hopefully everyone can get on there and kind of enjoy it also. Yeah, hundred percent. I did have a follow up to Tanner. So, is there any shots that you are like super proud of? You know, one that you think, hey, this is probably the best one that I've done, or any <laughs> any that you have, or any also to follow up with that, any that you have planned going forward, like big things coming as far as uh, trick shots go. Honestly, I've done about ten of them. I don't know how I did it. I don't <laughs> know how if I could do it again. A lot of times, it's not about making a trick shot. Most of mine are like sequences or multiple. So I'll do mm-hmm. four or five. It may be over the backboard, yeah. behind the back, yeah. a hook shot, bounce it off the ground, and then throw a football into a hole. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, so it's pretty. It gets pretty wild. If mm-hmm. I miss that last shot, I'm like, I'm throwing my hat down. I'm kicking the ball over the trees, and then I'm doing it all over again. So it becomes obsessive. I love uh-huh. it. Have fun with it. But when it happens, when it when that last one goes in, I mean, I am pumped up. So uh, it's fun, fun, but uh, there's one, I don't know, you can check them all out, people can, but they're, they're, they're pretty fun. Yeah, exactly. I know we're going to make sure everyone goes and follows your TikTok when this is all said and done. But let's start talking about your playing. I think you just brought it up. You started as a basketball player over at Florida State, actually. So we were kind of wondering what was going through your mind, you know, what urged you to switch from basketball to football, and how hard was that decision for you? Yeah, basketball was my passion growing up as a kid. I never missed a day of playing basketball from second grade through my freshman year of college. Uh, Not Christmas, not New Year's Day, not Thanksgiving. At least I got some shots in. Um, So something something happened. So, but growing up, I was I was an All State Player of the Year in North Carolina. Mm -hmm. Scored 2,392 points in basketball. Was a Parade All American in football, but I really wasn't that good in football. I think I was just kind of given the honor because of potential. But so I couldn't decide what sport I wanted to play. Mm-hmm. And so one of my passions growing up in North Carolina, a guy named Brad Doherty went to my high school, a guy named Roy Williams, basketball coach of Carolina, he's <laughs> in high school. So, I mean, it was in our blood. And, but I want to play for a guy named Bobby Crimmins at Georgia Tech, the head coach there. And he pulled me into his office. He said, Brad, you can have the, you, you got a scholarship here, but you can only play five guys. And the guy that was in my position at that time was a guy named Dennis Scott, who's an All-American in basketball. He right. said, Brad, and he ended up playing 11 years in the NBA. Yeah, 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 of course, of course. So he said, you can come here. You can play behind Dennis Scott. But what, what, he said, what are you long-term girls? I said, well, I want to play pro. He says, well, you got the scholarship here, but if, you, if you're going to go for that, you might need to do it for football. So I'm thankful for Coach Cremins. He, was, he was, gave me a lot of wisdom. He didn't lie to me in the recruiting process. And I'm very thankful for it. So I chose Bobby Bowden to Florida State. And I was six foot five. And the guy at that time was a guy named Vinny Testaverde, who they were talking about. The big <laughs> guys. He wore 14. Um, and I've talked to Vinny about it. So he kind of helped change my life, too. Dennis Scott, Vinny Testaverde, and Bobby Cremins. It was pretty cool how it all worked out. But that's – and I went that's... to Florida State on a football scholarship, walked right. on and played two years of basketball with the NCAAs twice. And um, – and then I had to make a, I had to choose because I was missing summer spring football, and uh, I wanted to be the starter in football eventually. So I chose I had to go one direction towards football. Well, that's quite the trio of guys. Yeah, to exactly, exactly. Influence you there. Yeah. 
Gunderson, and what a decision you made, obviously. 17 seasons, two-time Pro Bowl, winning on the biggest stage possible, the Super Bowl, obviously. So I would say you definitely made the right decision there, although basketball is my passion, obviously, as well. So I see how tough that was for you to make. And I was talking about how much you won. You were a winner throughout your throughout your, uh, your professional career. Ten times you made the postseason, the playoffs. Uh, so I, I kind of want to pick your brain about that. As a winner, And what do you think is the most important factor in having a successful team and a successful season? It's really hard. I mean, in, in, in the pros, you know, you win ten games. You, you had a great year. Ten and yeah. six, man. It's awesome. In college, you go eight and five, coaches are getting fired. <laughs> you're, you're celebrating going to the playoffs. It's hard to make the playoffs. Nine and seven might get you in. Ten and six probably does. Yeah. Eleven and five probably wins the, the division. You know, and so I remember my first seven years we were in Minnesota. We went to the playoffs six out of seven years. I wasn't necessarily the starter every year, but we, right. we didn't win any games. We right. won like one game, I think, one year. We got beat the first round every time, but on that team, there were Hall of Famers. There were multiple guys going Pro Bowls. And it was unbelievable teams we had. But we didn't get rewarded. And, and rewarded means, like, go deep in the playoffs or win a Super Bowl and be known for that. You don't remember any right. of those teams I'm talking about. Right. And there were right. phenomenal teams that I played for. Probably my best year was in 1992, and Rich Gannon was the quarterback. It was probably the best team we played on. And we, you know. 11 to 5. And yeah, going. guy you ended up playing later on in the Super Bowl, Rich Gannon yeah, there. No doubt, no doubt. So, in the year the year in Minnesota went 15 and 1 and we didn't got beat in the a NFC Championship. So that's it's kind of the the no-name team, the greatest no-name team, but when we got when we won it all in in Tampa, there's reunions, there's 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 obviously a ring. Yeah. You know, it just doesn't happen. So, you got to win big in the end, but but that doesn't mean you're unsuccessful if you go to the playoffs or just have great years either. So, you know, sometimes the valuation is a little bit off sometimes too. Yeah. So obviously you did win a Super Bowl. You got it done at the highest level, which is probably the pinnacle of all sport professional sports. Uh, what was different from that Super Bowl team compared to those other playoff teams you were on? <sighs> timing, timing and getting hot at the right time of the season. The year we won it, we were um, three and one every four games. We're 12 and four at the end of the season. We got a bye, and then we just got we, – we, we got hot at the right time of the year. Our defense was phenomenal. Yeah. Offensively, we got hot about halfway through the season and then and came through in the clutch. So the teams that win it, they'll tell you, you know, some of the best days of their life to win it, the Super Bowl. The, the guys that don't, they'll say, well, it was just – it's kind of overrated. It was just a big party in a game, like – it's, no, it's not. No, it's not. When, when you get to live with it for a lifetime. So thankful for that opportunity. Thankful we came through. There were three or four teams that I played on that were, I mean, tremendous teams. We just didn't win it. Yeah. <laughs> we did the work. We had the belief. It just didn't happen. So some of that happens too. All right. So that was the first uh, Super Bowl victory in Buccaneers history. What did it mean to bring a Lombardi to a team that, really had up to that point been kind of a habitual losing franchise. No doubt. No doubt. And that was a big reason. I was a free agent uh, coming out of uh, playing for the Washington Redskins at that time, 2000. I played against Tampa a bunch, uh, whether I was in Minnesota or whether I was in Washington, just had multiple games with those guys. I'd had a lot of those guys, Derek Brooks and Warp Dunn and 
a lot of those guys, Dexter Jackson, who I played with at Florida State, and I'd, I'd met John Lynch and Warren Sapp at all these parties and just had great respect for him. At that time, when I was leaving Washington, I was actually going to go to Baltimore. And that was where they were. Uh, they just won a Super Bowl. Um, they were making moves, but the contract wasn't right. And so my agent, my wife said Tampa would be the place. And so the contract was right. But more than that, I wanted to go to a place where it'd be the, I could be the first time Super Bowl champion for that particular team, to be honest. Last, yeah. last time a Super Bowl had been won in the state of Florida was Bob Greasy in like 1971. <laughs> back to back. So it was a big deal for me to go there. Uh, we had a tremendous team, tremendous players, and just, you know, be able to hoist the first one coming back to Tampa was, was you know, the dream come true with a lot of great players and coaches. So then, obviously, the next Bucks championship is this year's team. Uh, did you see any similarities between your championship team and this championship team? Very, very similar. Very, very similar. Um, it's been 18 years since we won in 2003. They haven't sniffed a playoff game or won a playoff game in yeah. 18 years, you know. And so, but last year, two years ago, they had a tremendous defense, tremendous defense. And then Brady comes in. He's a guy that doesn't lose ball games, and obviously he's been to ten Super Bowls. He's the he's the best of all time, all of the above. He comes in, they bring stability to the organization, a work ethic, uh, a belief, and and so and then they brought in ten free agents. When we won it, we brought in fifteen, and then at the end of the season, we had brought nineteen different free agents in from the past year's team. So yeah. we brought in. Uh, Roman Oldman, Kerry Jenkins, our left guard, left tackle, Joe Jervicious, Kenny McCardell, Michael Pittman, Ken Dilger, Ricky Dudley. Like we loaded up, especially on offense. And, and so we put it together. And so if you look at this past year's team, they were seven and five after 12 games. And they lost three out of four in the month of November, but then they caught hot at the right time. And they had a tremendous defense this past year. They scored 105, 145 points off of turnovers during the regular season. They scored 45 points off of turnovers during the playoffs. Very similar to our team. Both teams have <laughs> pro bowlers. Both teams yeah. have Hall of Famers. We have Warren Sapp, uh, John Lynch now, Derek Brooks, hopefully Rondé Barber, Simeon Rice. And it's just – Those guys will get in. Other great players. So very, very similar. Uh, you know, media kind of sells it the way they want to, but very, very similar kind of teams. And we were in the first year of our system with Gruden, just like just like Brady was in the first year of his system also. Yeah, that's phenomenal. I see that's a, that's a great point. There are a lot of similarities getting hot at the right time first year. Yeah, I see a lot of similarities between those two teams. Let's talk about coming off talking about, I'm, I'm guessing, the highest point in your playing career. Let's talk about one of the lower points. That was when you were traded from Minnesota to Washington. I, I want to know, as a player in an owner's league, what was it like in the trading process? What was kind of going through your mind when you heard that was all going down? Yeah, I'd been in Minnesota for seven years. Right. And that last year there, excuse me, I was a starter. And then I came off of a major neck surgery in, in yep. 98. So 99, we were playing, I think it's 99, I can't remember the years. But my last year there, uh, so the second, first game of the year, we beat Tampa Bay. Second game, I'm starting. We beat St. Louis. I broke my foot at the end of the game. Randall yep. Cunningham came in. He caught fire. Game number nine, I was out for six weeks with a, in a cast on my, you know, on my foot. Game nine, Randall Cunningham gets hurt. Uh, that was the year we had Randy Moss. 
Randy, uh, I saw I came in like the first quarter of the, of the ninth game against the Saints, win the game, but then I broke my thumb against the ground at the end of the game in the fourth quarter. Randall Cunningham, we're, me, it's like Apollo Creed and Rocky Balboa sitting in the <laughs> hospital together. Remember that scene? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So me, Randall Cunningham, his wife and my wife were all sitting <laughs> taking CAT scans. And so they said, I got a broken hand. I'm in a cast for six more weeks. He had surgery the next day. He actually played the very next week. And then I was out for the rest of the season. So I, I played three games. I won those three games. But the other games, I, was, I couldn't play. So I didn't leave in frustrations. I left because I was, I was hurt. I was looking yeah. for an opportunity. Got exactly. traded. And it was pretty cool that, you know, the very next year, I got to lead the Washington Redskins. At that time, the name, however we're going to say it. But led them in the playoffs. Hadn't been in the playoffs in a long time. Went to the Pro Bowl. And so it, it was kind of a needed change. It worked out great. There was no animosity with the Vikings or anything like that. I loved playing for – from Minnesota and actually went back later in my career, but just it was a trade that I kind of welcomed and it worked out for everybody. That was actually, you actually brought it up. I was going to follow up on top of that. You actually had, up until that point, your best season in Washington, right? You were a pro bowler, lived you three for over 4,000 yards. What, you know, what urged you to come out with such a chip on your shoulder in Washington? I don't think there really was. I think I always played the way I wanted to play. So I don't think it's a chip on my shoulder. I think it's just, I love playing the game. It was an op another opportunity to lead, lead my team. Uh, we had, a, it was a team that hasn't won. They hadn't been in the playoffs in, since the, the, the 90s, yeah. 92 or something like that. So it was, it was, a, it was a hungry group. We won the division. Uh, we won our first playoff game against Detroit. Then we lost in a crazy game against Tampa. And, uh, but it was just, it was fun for me. I got to be in a new system with North Turner. I felt like it really progressed my game as far as uh, some of the drops I was taking, some of the play action game. I think that's kind of my, my game was play action and taking taking some deep shots, deep shots uh, with uh, with North Turner system. So I loved it. So you kind of so you kind of talked about uh, throwing the ball deep, kind of something you like to do. Uh, here's kind of a two part question: Are there any players in today's game that remind you of the way you like to play? Yeah, you know the guy the guy that I really liked. Uh, right now, it's got him. Honestly, it's Matt Ryan. I think it was very, very similar. Um, Matt came out. He's a first-round pick. Came out of Boston College. So that's that was not like that was a ninth-round yeah, pick. Right. So that was different. But I think you know our body size, uh, kind of our game, play-action game, leadership skills. Matt's a guy that he'll he'll make Hall of Fame one day. Um, he's thrown for the most yards and early in his career yeah. than anybody else in the NFL. To he's going to be a top five passer. Yeah, he, he's a tremendous player. I, I love watching his game. He just hasn't been on the national stage as far as attention. You, you hear Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady and Drew Brees, and, but he's a phenomenal player. And that's a guy that I would think similar similar kind of skill set and uh, that I kind of enjoy them. doesn't get a lot of attention. And then kind of following that up, uh, obviously offensive numbers are way up from whenever you played the game due to rule changes, trying to protect the players. Are there any players in today's game that you see that you're like, I would put up monster numbers with that guy? Oh, man. I, you know, it, it's crazy. The, the game, as a fan, I love it. You want to see points scored. You got to protect the quarterback. The rules have changed. Offensive systems are better now. Often players are better now. I mean, you're seeing it in middle school. Kids are doing seven on seven and 
I had no clue what seven on seven was. Like, what is that? Is that a basketball game? Like, okay. I haven't played that game. And it's really football. And it's become football on grass now with the RPOs, the spread game, uh, getting guys out in space. And the systems have changed and just gotten better. So it's fun to watch. And I think the quarterbacks have gotten better too as, as a sequence of uh, getting more reps at middle school, high school, college, throwing the ball, and then just great playmakers. So it's, it's fun to watch. Uh, also, so is there a one player that you would want to play with today? One guy you would want to want to line up on your on your squad, basically? Is there one specific guy? You know, I, I think a, I think the guy named um, – there's two players. Honestly, I think I think I would hook up great with Dalvin Cook up there in Minnesota. He's a great he's a great runner, but he catches the ball out of the backfield. Yep. Phenomenal, phenomenal player. Uh, like kind of like you think, well, Damian Thompson, kind of very similar. And the other one would be Julio Jones. I mean, like, I mean, yeah, you know, that's yeah. as good as it gets. Both of them, you know. So I, I love to play with those two guys. Awesome. I totally agree with you there. Let's wrap things up. Kind of discussing, in my eyes, one of the more interesting quotes from you. I found it in Sports Illustrated. I'll go and read the quote now. I honestly thought the whole country revolved around watching NFL games on Sunday. You thought that's how it was and how it was supposed to be. But then one day you realize, you know what? There's a life beyond football. Okay, so I want to I want to kind of know what made you come to that realization and what did that do for your life moving forward again beyond football? Yeah, I mean, at some point you're always told football is going to be over, sports are going to be over, you know, but I was all in. All in. I mean, I, I played sports every day. I worked out every day. Uh, all of the above. And, I, I mean, I lived for playing games on Sundays or Sunday nights or Monday night games. I loved it. I mean, I loved it. And, and you get so you get so tunnel vision, like this is what we're doing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that quest to, to make the playoffs, to lead your team, to win a Super Bowl, it's an incredible feeling. And when I retired, I was happy with my career. I'd done my 17 years. My body couldn't move anymore. All the above. And so my wife, Nikki, and I, we have two boys, Max and Jake. And so basically they were playing a uh, travel ball, which is every weekend, basically, when they were younger. And here we are. I'm going to games on Sunday, and then people are listening to a radio, like you're trying to hear the scores. And oops, on there. sorry about that. And so and, and then I'm driving to Walmart. I'm like, people are in the store. Why are they watching the football game, man? I mean, the Bucks are on. The Patriots are on. The Cowboys, the Vikings are like, what, what are we doing in Walmart? This doesn't make sense. Like, I used to watch every sink and play, but I was like, there's life beyond football. You're not doing And it kind of just like, I love being with my family and kids. And so you realize now, taking a back seat, I like, fantasy football is kind of cool. I get it. I get why it's going on, you know, and those kind of things. So thankful for my career and and now I can kind of sit back. I can choose if I want to watch a game or not watch a game on Sunday. <laughs> exactly, man. Exactly. I know Tanner was kind of had a couple of questions about your son, who's now who committed to LSU, if that's correct. Yeah, I have two, we have two boys. Max is a quarterback. Uh, he's in his second year at LSU. And then mm-hmm. my younger son, Jake, he's a senior this year. He's committed to LSU. And I hope we'll end up going there in January. Yeah, I was curious about uh, what did their recruitment to LSU kind of look like between your recruitment when you went to college? Yeah, when, when I was being recruited, there was no internet. There was no websites. There were no 
you didn't know you're looking like you were one of the greatest things at that time was sports illustrated to get your name in that who's who the next up and growing guys, you know, and, but now there's so many all American teams and all state teams and you can find out any kid in America, you get them on huddle or computers yeah. or Twitter, or you kind of who's who is now, but at the time I didn't know who I was, who was being recruited against me when I went to Florida state. And um, so now internet access, going through the recruiting recruitment uh, process is completely different. And both for my boys, one's a quarterback, one's a tight end. And that's a totally different process to, to handle also. But um, for me, they, we, we, they were born in Tallahassee. I went to Florida State. Possibilities going there. Their uncle, Mark Rick at Georgia. We, we live here in Athens, Georgia. Then he ended up at Miami and like, and then there was all these other schools too that we were kind of involved with. And at the end of the day for my son, Max, he's like, he wanted to blaze his own trail, be his own guy, not just say, I want to go be with where my dad went or play for his uncle, which all those are awesome deals, but like I want to blaze my own trail. And so that's where Max is at now. He won two games last year at LSU and then hopefully he gets a you know, little crack at it this year too. So we'll see. And then same process for my son, Jake, the tight end. Uh, he felt like, what's the best fit? Where can he go catch the most balls and have the most impact? And felt like he was at LSU to play with his brother also. Awesome, awesome. And I have one final question for you. As a Dallas Cowboy fan, I don't know if I say that regret, regretting it or not, uh, but as a Dallas Cowboy fan, I know you played in Dallas for a little bit. What was it like with the Dallas media? Obviously, it's America's team. You know, What was it like in Dallas in comparison to like a smaller market team? I didn't realize it until I got there. I'd always heard America's team. I'd always heard a bigger market. Uh, it just means you're getting more coverage every day. Uh, there's ESPN is going to be there every day. There's going to be a report on the news that night, but it's the same story. Every town There's no bigger in Dallas. It's no than Tampa or Minnesota. It's the same story, but it just gets more attention. And the other thing, you're going to get six night games. That's the most you can get in the NFL. They, yeah. They're going to get six night games. Yeah. Monday night, Sunday night, it happens. And the, and, the, and the stores, the Dallas Cowboys stores, they're everywhere. And the crowds that come to the training camp, they're more. So it's just more of it all. And uh, but I love playing in Dallas. My career didn't go as well as I wanted to as a player, but I loved it, loved all the teammates I had there and, and uh, you know, blessed to be there. But it is definitely uh, America's team. No, yeah. Hey, thanks for saying that. Maybe you could tell Tanner that. I'm always trying to tell him that myself, but we really appreciate you coming on. We don't, we don't want to keep you too long. Before you get off, though, I want to give you an, a chance to promote all your social media, Twitter, your Instagram, your TikTok. If you want to go ahead and let everyone know where they can find you at. Yeah, I, I, I'm kind of new to all this stuff, too, but on TikTok, it's Big Bad Brad 14. Big Bad Brad 14 on Instagram, it's Brad underscore Johnson underscore 14. And then Twitter, it's Brad Johnson, you'll find me. Yeah, I, search I, Brad I Johnson. I so you'll find me. If you want to find me, you'll find me. Go out there and get it. But ha hopefully everyone, everyone enjoys all the trick shots and TikToks and it's all meant for humor and and you know, see if the old guy can still make a few shots here. <laughs> no, I know for a fact, me watching the ones that you do, we've talked to Tanner. I mean, I, we have talked about it. And it's like, yo, I know for sure there's no chance I would be able to do that. And I don't know if he would even be able to do that again. You know, how, how the, the difficulty of the shot, you know what I mean? So phenomenal. Some are super uh, exciting to watch. Those of you listening, go check out Brad Johnson wherever you're on social media, the Twitter, the Instagram, the TikTok. Go give him a follow. Give him some love. Uh, again, Brad, thank you so much for joining us, man. We really appreciate it. 
Yeah, man, I appreciate you guys reaching out. It's awesome to be a part of your show. Wish you guys the best of luck. Thank you All so right, much. Thanks for coming on. All right, we'll guys. see you next time. Thank you, Brad. Right. Very good. All right, welcome back, everyone. As we said in the first half of the show, all things basketball here in the second half. One quick shout-out to Brad Johnson. Thanks again, Brad, for hopping on the show. We want to urge everyone listening to go follow Brad on all of his social medias, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Go show him some dudes talking sports love. Uh, But, Tanner, let's move on and talk about what's going on in the world of basketball right now. Breaking news on Tuesday, Ben Simmons actively being shopped. Sixers are taking calls for the three-time All-Star, All-NBA, All-Defensive player in Ben Simmons. What was your first reaction when you saw the story officially break? Uh, Really no surprise. Uh, I think this is kind of what most people expected Philly to do here. He obviously didn't have the playoffs they wanted him to shot (laughs) horrifically when he did shoot he was almost scared to shoot uh i think it might be best for ben simmons future career and for the 76ers to move on so it really just makes sense from both sides for me yeah i'm right there with you man you know he shrunk especially on the offensive end. We know he's an all-defensive player. They put him on Trey Young. Really didn't mess Trey, you know, put him off his game whatsoever when they put him on there. So he was still putting up those big numbers barring that last final game where he was injured. But, yeah, he shrunk and was an offensive liability. I have some great stats, as I usually do here. So in the regular season, right, in the regular season, he averaged 16 points. In the playoffs, oh, sorry, sorry, this is dating back to two years ago. Two years ago in the regular season, I'm sorry. So two years ago in the playoffs, I'm oh, sorry, in the regular season, I'm so sorry. 16 points in the regular season per game. Then this past regular season, down to 14. So two years ago was 16, this year to 14. His assists last year, eight assists down to 6.9 this year as well. Also things down, his rebounds down and field goal percentage. All of those things were down in last year's regular regular season in comparison to this year. So not even just playoffs. Yeah, yeah, that's obviously not what you want to see whenever you're considered to be one of the best young prospects in the NBA. He still is young. He still is raw talent-wise. But you want to see him making steps forward, not backwards. Yeah, man, that's, he's regressing. You know, the stats tell you he is regressing on basically every level. And then in the playoffs, it's even worse. In the playoffs last year, he averaged 14 points in the playoffs. This year, down to 11 points in the playoffs. His free throw percentage, 34%. That's, I, I believe, I think, I don't know if you know, I, think, I believe that's the league's worst in the postseason. League's worst, 34%. Awful, man. A complete liability from the free throw line? From the free throw line. Complete liability. Yeah, I, th- I think it's I think it's the worst out of any postseason over like over ten attempts ever. Yeah, it is. I, I believe I'm right there with that. I think it is the worst that we've ever seen from the free throw line in the postseason. Obviously, when it matters most. 
Uh, so all things considered, he's regressing in the regular season, and then he's just simply a shell of himself and regressing in the postseason as well. The stats are right there for you. And for a point guard, to, to not be able to have him in the game in the final minutes, they were, they were literally playing Shake Milton over Ben Simmons in the final moments because he is more likely to, to be fouled and knocked down a free throw, knocked down an outside jumper, which is exactly what they need. Uh, so all, all stats point to it, this makes sense for Philly uh, and, and move off of him while I don't, I don't think his stock is that high, but before perhaps it goes down even more. You know, because we know it's based, I don't want to say it's at an all-time low right now, but it basically is. Last year, they could have got a guy like James Harden for Ben Simmons. And then this year, it's like, uh, you know, maybe Malcolm Brogdon, you know, maybe uh, maybe some other players like that, right? So the stock has, has done, gone way down and move him before it goes down even more, I would say, right? So I'm right there with you. It makes sense to move on from him. But that kind of makes but, it question, right? But I, I don't know if his stock is as low sometimes as – People make it sound. Ben Simmons is a all defensive player, and yeah. he does have offensive skills. He can pass the ball. He can drive the basketball. He's just gotta be more confident in that. I don't know. I don't know what to you. Like he's talented, and anyone that knows basketball can watch him play and be like, "Yeah, that guy should be." Like super a, like, good like the comp is like a magic johnson right not the best shooter at first but he can he can take you on fast break he can find the open man he's six foot nine six ten as a point guard that's the comp that's the ceiling it is a rather high ceiling to be fair that was that's what it was and with that much pressure on him he has not lived up to it so far at least in his career uh but that that makes the question right where could he go? What makes sense for the guy that, you know, his time is ran out in Philadelphia. We both agree there. And first off, before we talk about teams that make sense, let's talk about one team. Again, I say this every single time Ben Simmons comes up. I I, oh, I keep hearing this in, in the media, and I got to just shut it down. For all the people that know basketball, they know that this makes absolutely no sense for either team. So Golden State is not an option for Ben Simmons whatsoever for you know trading Draymond Green and Andrew Wiggins. Tell, tell me, does that make the Sixers championship contenders that they're ultimately hoping to do? No, in no way does that help Philly. And then trading Draymond and Wiggins for a guy like Simmons who won't shoot the basketball doesn't help the free, you know, the free flowing offense of Golden State. So it doesn't make sense. And you can't trade Wiseman. They already have Embiid, right? So Tell me you agree with me that the Golden State stuff doesn't really make any sense. I don't know if it doesn't make any sense. I don't think it makes the most sense. But I can see a world where you say Steph Curry is the best shooter of the basketball and Klay Thompson is so deadly off ball that he doesn't need the ball. And Ben Simmons is a good passer and he can pass to those two guys. But there are other like he's still got to be able to – they struggled three-point shooting as a team this year. I know they're getting Clay Thompson back, but if you lose a guy like Andrew Wiggins, you your three-point shooting only goes down. Exactly. He proved to be more than capable to knock down an open and a step-back contested three, and he's pretty good in the mid-range as well. So Wiggins coming off the best year of his career. Draymond, he, I believe he was first-team all-defense this year as well. And then who has better chemistry, though? Than, than Draymond Green with Steph Curry and Klay Thompson. He knows exactly when and where to deliver that ball, where to, and and how to set the, the perfect screen to get them that wide open attempt. So I don't mess up the chemistry. I don't mess up the free flow. For me, 
it's kind of a reach and I think it makes more sense on sure like you said it makes more sense on the Warriors side but for Philly I don't really think it makes all that much I think they can get something better a role that they really need like a point guard or a shooting guard I think that is more what Philly should be searching not another power forward like Draymond and then a guy a good player in Wiggins I don't want to bash him but a good player but I feel like you could do a little bit better than that honestly yeah I think there are trades that help both teams more out there i think if it's just straight up andrew wiggins for ben simmons i think the warriors definitely think about it i don't think that's gonna be yeah yeah like i think they would take that but i think they're gonna ask for more and i wouldn't do it. it's not worth it at that point honestly don't even know if i would trade wiggins for him don't even know if i would trade wiggins it comes down to fit and Wiggins fits on that roster, and Ben Simmons is a guy who can't shoot. And if, if him and Draymond are there, you can't play him at the same time. Draymond and, and Ben Simmons can't be on the floor in crucial moments. That's two guys who are, can be offensive liabilities. So it doesn't make sense in, in my standpoint whatsoever. Uh, but there are. So two- let me ask you. Go ahead. So let me ask you uh, where do you want to see Ben Simmons go? Honestly, my number one pick back in the day, obviously, was in, you know, them trading him for James Harden. That has sailed right out the window. I have a couple of teams. I also have a list of teams that have already reached out. The Cavs, the T-Wolves, the Pacers, the Kings, and Toronto have all apparently reached out to Philadelphia with some trades. I do want to kind of break down those those teams. So for the Cavs, right, I don't think it makes too much sense for the Cavs either. Okay, you could trade Kevin Love, maybe uh, Colin Sexton, and maybe your lottery pick that you have this year. But for me, that doesn't really get me out of bed all that much. An aging Kevin Love, Colin Sexton, who could have a high ceiling. Not sure if he's worth you know, a, a Ben Simmons-ass type of player. And then who knows what that lottery pick is going to end up being. So I don't think the Cavs make much sense either. I think, what do you think about the Cavs yeah, package? And I don't think Ben Simmons wants to go to <laughs> Cleveland, yeah. the Cleveland. I never heard of anyone say they're going to Cleveland on vacation. Hey, you're pulling a, a Joakim Noah right now. And that's exactly what you're doing. Either way, bashing that. I, I'm right there with you, though. I don't think Cleveland makes any sense. The Wolves, I don't think that makes a lot of sense because then you're pairing him with another center. I know he likes to shoot Carl Anthony Towns, but you're in the exact same scenario as Philly was uh, with a guy who can't shoot, who needs to be in the lane, and the same thing, a big center who also needs to be in the lane as well. So I think it's just Philly, not even 2.0, a worser Philly situation if he goes to Philly, to go uh, to Minnesota. And the T-Wolves don't want to give up D'Angelo Russell. They said, we don't want to give up Russell. We won't give him up for Simmons. So who, who are going to? they won't give up Anthony Edwards either. So who are you going to get in that package for Ben Simmons? Absolutely nothing, right? So Wolves don't make any sense. Here's a team that makes a lot of sense for me. I don't know if he would want to go there and play. That's a whole other question, but he may not have a choice. Uh, the Pacers. The Pacers make a lot of sense for a trade. Uh, Philly could get Malcolm Brogdon, a TJ Warren, and maybe a toss a lottery pick on or another pick on top of that. So Brogdon, former rookie of the year, showing himself offensively. We know what he can do defensively as well. He can go and get you six to eight assists on a nightly basis as well. TJ Warren had, you know, TJ Warren in the bubble, dropping 50 pieces left and right. Uh, good offensive player. Uh, so I think that could be, plus maybe a pick, could be the best scenario right now for a team in Philly. You get a good all-star, potentially all-star caliber guy in Brogdon, and then a very good player in Warren. Maybe get a pick on top of that. I think the Pacers make a lot of sense. Yeah, I think the Pacers make sense too. I think they do have some assets that Philly sees and says that could help our team. But I, I like Miami. I think Miami makes sense too. 
they have a lot of pieces. They got Kendrick Nunn. They have Tyler Hero. They got Duncan Robinson. They have Victor Oladipo. Pieces that they can move. I think they want to keep Jimmy Butler. They want to keep Bam Adebayo. Mm-hmm. Everyone else on that roster can be moved. You put those two guys with Ben Simmons. That's that's a dog roster. Yeah, they got they got they got a package, no doubt. You know, you put Hero, you put Robinson, maybe none, and and you and you ship them off there and see. But to me, I I still need more shooting because Robinson and Hero are the big three guys. I uh, know none can knock it down, but those are the big shooters on the roster. So if you're taking away all your shooters for – Yeah, I mean, obviously you have to add three-point shooting somewhere else, but – They have a package for sure, for sure. Yeah. yeah. No, they could be in the running, I would say. Miami does make sense. He could fit into their defense right away, make their defense a lot better. You know, let Jimmy play off the ball a little bit more. He doesn't have to do those that playmaking so much, right? So I definitely see Miami as well. And then the last couple of teams, the Kings – I don't get I don't get Sacramento. Buddy Heald and Marvin Bagley doesn't really get me out of bed either. I'm not too excited over a package of those two guys. Yeah, because I'm sure they want to keep Fox, right? They're not going to give up De'Aaron yeah, the, Fox. You know, there's yeah. no way they give up De'Aaron Fox. If, if I'm Philly, I'm saying I want Fox, no doubt. If I could yeah. get Fox, I'd do it in a heartbeat. I get De'Aaron Fox yeah. like that. But I don't think yeah, – Straight up, I would take yeah, Probably. straight up. I think I think he's making enough money too. I think I think he just got extended, so he's probably making enough money. But for for Sacramento's case, I just would hope like don't do that to yourselves. Please don't get rid of a guy like De'Aaron Fox for Ben Simmons because he can do what Simmons can do offensively even more. He can pass and then he can obviously shoot, but not the defensive player that Simmons is. But I would you know it's an offense league ultimately more it leans offense at least, and I would definitely take the better offensive player. Uh, in in in, uh, in Sacramento for sure. But either way, Kings don't make a lot of sense. Toronto is the last team I kind of want to cover. Uh, Toronto, you could do Kyle Lowry. Maybe you throw Ananobi in there, and maybe a Gary Trent. So maybe you can get a couple of a couple of decent players and Kyle Lowry, a good leader. But my thing is, you could add Kyle Lowry this this past trading deadline for like Tyrese Maxey, and you know such such smaller package. You could have Ben Simmons and Kyle Lowry, but they were they were holding on to those what could be pieces at the deadline and wouldn't same thing with like the Lakers. You know, they could have gave up Talon Horton Tucker and made their made their roster a whole lot better with Kyle Lowry, but they stood pat and ended up paying the price for it. So it doesn't make a lot of sense because you could have had him for less. But as far as overall fit, Lowry fits both ways. Gary Trent solid three-point shooter and then ananobi good two-way guy as well so if i could get all three of those guys i say that's a decent package for sure you know yeah yeah i think a move needs to be made regardless so if you're philly you might not get what exactly you want in equal value Mm -hmm. but i expect to see picks in the in the trade yeah and some role players Guys that but i just don't I, I i don't see any team getting rid of a star player for ben simmons yeah like i said this stock is at an all-time low not to say it can't go up but i do think it's at an all-time low right now so again maybe last year you could get another star player but not so much this year just a couple couple of other teams to kind of keep your eye on really quickly. Uh, San Antonio. I think if they could package a, a Deontay or a Dejounte Murray, uh, a DeRozan, and maybe another young or another couple of picks or something like that. So young, 
I'm sorry, a Murray DeRozan, maybe a pick. That's a decent package, a veteran package a little bit as well. So I would like that. And then the best case scenario, I think you could get like a Zach Levine. But if I'm Chicago, I don't give up a guy giving me 26 points per game for, for, for you know, for a guy. I, I, I maybe pair them together. I would do whatever I could to not give up Levine, but I uh, yeah. definitely don't give up that guy for him. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but Ben Simmons still has time. Like, as much as we want to make fun of this guy and say he can't shoot at all, he's 24 years old. He can still develop at least a mid-range jump shot. He just – he's got to want to work, do honestly, that. You know, right? And yeah. I think he's shooting with the wrong hand. You know, at one point he was – Yeah, like, like that sounds like a joke, right. but that's like literally a thing. Yeah, like seriously, at one point he was shooting free throws with his right and then his jumpers with his left. Like, dude, why are you going back and forth on your shooting hands? Commit to the one that people say looks better, to say the very least. You know, professionals say it looks much more fluent when he pulls it on the right in comparison to the left. So switch hands, whatever it takes, put in the work, and just – it's not that hard, man. It's not that hard to develop a, a mid-range jumper to a, a, a slight one. Giannis has done it. Giannis has improved his jumper year after year after year. So the, the, the proof is in the pudding. You can put in the work and improve in that category, you know? And there's been other guys with broken jump shots in Philadelphia. Maybe it's a Philadelphia problem. Ah, like, yeah. Markel Fultz. Like, think, if, like, think about Marco Fultz. He literally had couldn't lift his arms above his shoulder to shoot the ball, and now he shoots the ball to – Decent, decent clip. clip. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, 100%. So that's a great <laughs> – Philly. Like, I th- there's coach. something in the water in Philly. <laughs> Something's going on exactly in that training facility. Non-shooters. Except, except for Seth Curry. That dude – I do never had an, an issue though, right? He never had an issue. Came <laughs> in right. They gotta take uh take some steps from that guy. Either way, we'll see where he lands. Story did just come out, so it'll probably be a couple weeks or so, if not more months, you know, until closer to the draft to see where he gets moved. But more and more uh stories are gonna come out as far as who's interested and where he could p- potentially go. There's our two cents on the matter. Let's move on and talk about your Milwaukee Bucks. Okay, they are said as we as we record this will come out on Wednesday. Wednesday is Game Four, uh, but as we record this, it's two to one Phoenix in the advantage. Game Three, huge night for Giannis. About back to back forty point games in the finals. First since LeBron and Shaq. Right, those are the only three guys to do that. I, I believe that said that on the on the when we were casting the game, it showed that exact. Uh, yeah, yeah, and then uh, that that stat they showed was actually wrong because they put 10 rebounds on there as well and lebron had eight rebounds in one of those games so it's actually uh, just him and check that have had back-to-back 40 point back-to-back 40 point 10 rebound games that's phenomenal dude phenomenal huge and that's the guy we as i always compare him to you know he's a shack with handles that's exactly what Giannis is and a better outside jumper than obviously Shaq had but shack with handles exactly what he is a freak train going to the basket in the post as well they won quite. They they won Game Three quite easily. You know, very easily. I think it did have to do with Devin Booker and just the three of fourteen, the O of seven or one of seven uh, from three, ten points in the game. I don't think that's going to happen again. And I do think that was the biggest reason that Milwaukee got the win. Not to knock anything Giannis did or anything. Obviously, he played phenomenal. He's averaging thirty fourteen. Pro- probably Giannis's best game of his career. He was, all things taken into consideration, right? Back against the yeah. wall, 
has to win a game. He goes out there and wins it by himself. 100%. 100%. Where are you at right now? Are you thinking your Milwaukee Bucks have what it takes to come back and win the series still? I do. I, I still think Milwaukee's going to win the series. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I am. They've played better as the, every series has gone on this whole playoffs. So, and it seems to be going in the same direction here where they've started off kind of rough and then started to play better once the series goes on. Yeah. Uh, in game one, in game one, if we don't take 20 less free throws or whatever it was, yeah, it was bad. then Phoenix is bad. That's like a, it's a completely different game. I know they probably did get fouled more, but not by no. that many attempts, you know? No. Yeah. So yeah. we were on call. So, 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 we so, ourselves, yeah. So. Yeah. So I think game one really could have gone any other way if calls were different. And then game three, we won big. I think it's anybody's series right now. I'm, I think Milwaukee's going to win on Wednesday. All right. So I, I, I think that they do take, uh, take care of, of their business at home. I think we talked about this earlier as well on a prior podcast, but they are a much better team at home, at least in the playoffs. I think they're eight and one so far this year at home during their postseason. They only lost one game, right? So huge, huge stuff for sure. Game one against the Hawks. Ah, you're right. You're 100 percent right. There was just that one against against Atlanta. Of course, you could say that was that could even be a fluke because that was such a close game. It simply kind of unraveled at the end of it. I would say so. 100 percent correct. Uh, eight and one at home, huge record on their side there. I don't know, man. I am just not sure if they have. What, I, I know he, I know he has what it takes, Giannis, to win a, a game, to win a couple games. I just don't know if he doesn't get the proper help from Middleton and Holiday. If he can do it all by himself for another three victories, is is kind of where I'm at on the thing, you know. But I expect him to get help from Middleton and Holiday. I mean, Middleton and Holiday, I don't think are going to put up seven stinkers. I don't know, dude. I just. I'm not confident whatsoever. I mean, that was my big knock, you know, going back when he first signed the extension or when they first made the Drew Holiday trade is, you know, Drew Holiday, a very good defender, a good player. But so far, you know, I, I said back then, he's never been on the big stage in the big moment. And so far on the big stage in the NBA finals, he's shooting 38%. He is he has not been the same player as he was in the regular season for them. Very Bledsoe-esque, if you will, in comparison to last year uh, for Milwaukee. So he's averaging 16 points on 38% shooting. And then Middleton, 19 points so far in the finals on 40% shooting. So I just don't know. He's the most inconsistent player in the NBA, the most up-and-down player. When he's hot, he is hot. But when he's not, man, those are some terrible percentages. I I'm staying on the side. I'm gonna I'll die on the side, if you will. I know on this land on the, on the, whatever it's called. Uh, for for Suns to win in seven is basically where I'm at right now. I think I think it does go the full distance. It goes all the way. Milwaukee home home game. You think home team wins every game? Potentially, I, unless we get a switch up and like Milwaukee wins and Phoenix and then Phoenix goes back to Milwaukee and they win. Uh, but yes, I, I think very well could be the, the home team wins every single game. And that's why home court advantage is so big for Phoenix. They will have the final game played in their home arena. 
So again, maybe they have, maybe they have enough to get there. Is, is kind of what I'm saying. They they had enough to get to the finals. I know I know injuries played a part, but that's the NBA. They, they had enough to get there, but I don't think they have enough to be a championship roster. Well, I'm looking at Team of Phoenix, where I'm saying I think they have exactly enough to be a championship roster right now. I guess we'll uh, maybe we'll have different tones on. Uh... Wednesday, I, I definitely it could be three could. one. Could be could be two two. <laughs> I, I feel like I I kind of think whoever wins this game wins the series. No, this game is huge. Four. This is huge. But I'm I'm not gonna go that far. I could say game five, game five. Because I think Milwaukee could take care of their business at home, and then it means both home teams simply took care of their business, right? I think game five is that we get back and forth. Whoever wins game five moves on to win, but you can be very correct there. But especially if Phoenix wins, then I think you're dead on. It's three, one and it's all but over. Phoenix is going to take the cake. Maybe even, maybe even in five we'll have to see, but I, I think it goes the distance. At least six games will be played in my eyes. And I'm sticking with it though. Uh, Holiday has been crumbling under the pressure and Middleton most inconsistent player. As soon as you bet against him, though, then it goes up and shows you why you should have bet, you know, for him on him. So I, I don't know with Middleton, that's a toss up, but with Holiday, it's kind of been what we've seen so far, and I, and I don't think he really makes all that many improvements. I could be wrong. I could be wrong, but that's just kind of how I'm feeling at the moment as of right now. Uh, Suns in seven is still my confident pick. Could be Suns in six, though. You know. Yeah, I, I'll probably say Bucks in seven. I think. I think. That there's no way Phoenix doesn't win at least one more. Yeah. Booker's yeah. not going to have another stinker like that. Another 3 of 14, 10 points. It was averaging 29 through the first two games. Obviously, better at home more than likely as well. Younger player, big stage. But I don't see another 10-point performance. And I think, uh, what's his name, Mikhail Bridges shot the ball like two times, three times in game three. And he had 27, uh, or, you know, 20, I think up there in game uh, in game two. He was huge for them in game two of the series. So I don't think he plays that bad. They got to get some more ball movement, get more guys open, I would say. And then on the flip side, Giannis has just been tearing them apart offensively. He has just been driving, no matter who's guarding him, Aiton, uh, Crowder, uh, Kaminsky, you know, whoever's on him, he's flying right by and, and is drawing a foul, but he shot super well from the free throw line in game three. I don't know if he shoots the ball that well from the from the stripe going forward it, in the series. And he sped up his release, too. Oh, did he? I, I didn't really realize yeah, that. We, we were listening on mute, but they, I heard people saying he was shooting whenever they got to like eight. Okay, so that's count. much different than that. in the comparison. Like thirteen, he's shooting at like eight, right? So yeah, that's that, that's much better. Uh, great to see him taking our advice. Like, obviously, we 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 we've been saying that for a while here. Yeah, I'm sure he heard it. Yeah, he must have been him and Middleton. Every time I talk bad on Middleton, he goes out and has a big game. So I swear they're avid they're avid listeners here. Uh, but but either way, I, I'm I'm sticking with my pick. You are sticking with yours. I simply don't know if they have enough. Giannis is definitely the man. He's going to win a couple of games. Not sure if the roster has the proper contribution uh, to win big. Ultimately, though, what about another team? Also, that has what it takes or could have what it takes to win big. The Olympic Team USA basketball roster. Tanner, back-to-back losses. You had the stats since since I don't know when. Since the since it was the first time Team USA has lost back-to-back games since professionals were allowed to start playing in 1992. Okay, so the 92, and now we're out in 2021. First time Team USA 
has 29 dropped, years. Yeah, tw- thank you, Tanner. 29 years since they've since they've dropped back to back you know ex- exhibition games. Again, these don't necessarily mean all that much, kind of getting the players warmed up to play who they're gonna be playing in Tokyo. And they will have more players joining them after the NBA finals, like Holiday, like uh, Middleton, like Middleton, Booker. Booker. They're gonna help. They're definitely gonna help. But I, I have some concerns, dude. I definitely do. The, the roster is stacked, and we can't talk against that stacked roster, but they haven't found chemistry. You know, we've seen it with big teams their first year. LeBron in Miami, uh, you know, they don't uh, – this year with Brooklyn, it seemed like at first, so they really started playing well at the end, don't have the chemistry because they haven't played enough together, right? So we've seen it before. I think this is what we're seeing. All these star players playing together, they don't exactly know – how to play like Beal? He's never played with with another guy like like Kevin Durant. You, know, you could say Russell Westbrook for sure, sure, but he's never played on a team with so many people. Uh, Damian Lillard as well. Never played in a big moment with, with with you know a team like this as well. Multiple guys you can you can pull out of your hat. Take take a pick. Uh, so chemistry is a big thing, and we expect them to be super good out of the gates, which is a little much. Maybe you're, you know why aren't you guys blowing teams out your first game playing together? You know, like maybe that's a bit much, but. Last time we played Nigeria a couple years ago, I think we beat them by like fifty. You know, I thought it was sixty plus. Oh my god, it was maybe you know at least fifty to sixty plus, right? We we, it was was like seventy to one fifty, so maybe it was even eighty points. I don't know. We we literally blew them out of the water, and then for then Popovich in one of his post game uh, saying, you know, why are you guys saying we should be blowing these teams out? That's a disrespect. Uh, that's a disrespect to the teams we're playing. We're like, guys, have you seen Olympic basketball? We blow them out. That's what we do. Yeah. You know? Yeah. The USA was 29 and a half point favorites against Nigeria. Exactly. They lost by by over by over five, six, but they, they they looked like the not the better team. Defensively, even offensively, they had a better game plan, you could say. So chemistry and I'm, I'm looking at coaching i'm looking at coaching they, they are supposedly having you know, they have the best coaches in the world coaching team usa and popovich and steve kerr and eric spolstra well they're getting out coached by assistant coach brett brown and g league coach i'm blanking on his name for australia he coaches in the g league you're getting out coached by a g league coach and an assistant coach when you are greg popovich steve kerr eric spolstra the best the best of the best so i'm looking at the coaches have saying hey get your stuff together get yourself together and run some real plays for players you know that it works for their game you know yeah yeah and i mean feeble basketball is i mean it's officiated differently and it's oh that's like it like like, like the play the play style is differently like you can't just take a three and jump into them and get three shots on the line like you can in the nba you can't just run to the paint and fall down like they're not gonna call it that's exactly <laughs> it man they're, they're, we've seen him complaining like hey that was a foul that was a foul that was a foul they're like yo that was a foul for you welcome to international basketball right <laughs> welcome to how we play things right like i said completely different style of play much of a tougher uh grittier earn your points I saw two of the best, de- not two of the best, but two very solid defense, one especially in Australia that did not, they had no fear whatsoever for all the all-stars that they were playing against. Like Matisse Thibel balled out. Patty Mills played super well. Del Vadova was out there scrapping. You know, like they have, have dogs and they're like, yo, we're not playing for the whistle. You know, we're playing till that final buzzer goes off as hard as we can. So, you know why, uh, 
Team Australia was able to win is because they didn't have Ben Simmons out there not being able to shoot. <laughs> they didn't have the uh, hack of Ben Simmons that they could automatically go to. Yeah, they can hit free throws. It seems like as of right now, right? So yes, <laughs> but you're right. They're, they're 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 you know they're wanting their calls or wanting the whistle, which is exactly what they haven't been getting. Uh, but I have two issues with the roster overall. Just two issues. Number one, no um, is one. Go ahead, go ahead. Go yeah, ahead. I was gonna say is is number one. No big man. Not one big man. They don't have a single center on the entire. Bam out of bio. He's a bam out of bio. That's it. He, he's like a power forward, though, in my eyes. At times, he, I think he's more of a yeah. four in comparison. He's, he's like a stretch five. You know, more of a stretch five guy. They don't have a. They don't have one like seven footer. Just one guy to stick in the paint and say, you know, don't let them get easy layups. Don't let them get these easy, easy uh, dunks. Stand down there, put your arms up, be a post presence. They have not had that, so paint pressure. Number one, you hit it right on the nose. Number two, they don't have a distributor. They have one distributor, one real distributor on the on the team, and that's Draymond Green. Besides that, it's a bunch of guys who score and can get assists. And they can get us because they're usually getting double teamed uh, because, you know, stuff like that, dr- drives and kicks. Uh, but one real guy who, who effortless, you know, effortly looks for players, tries to get them shots, and that's Draymond. It's the only guy, and you can't have him on the court for 48 minutes. Obviously, he's, he's one of your more important guys, but, like, you need another guy. Maybe Holiday will come in and be, uh, be a more, you know, be more of a point guard, finding more people. So Holiday could solve some of those issues, but – they don't have a real distributor besides Draymond Green. And then how much are is he really going to be playing when you're also playing Bam, also playing, you know, Tatum at the four at times as well. So they got to figure that out, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, I would think whenever the U.S. goes to play real games that actually matter, that they will figure out the distributing the basketball problem. But you can't just you can't just have somebody grow four inches to protect the paint. Yeah, that's that. That's just like uh, scouting and, and you know getting the right players for your roster. They say, "Hey, we're gonna play small." Maybe Steve Kerr had to do with that. We know how, how Steve Kerr loves to play small. Uh, but either way, you know, all, all these great coaches, you would think they would run up some better game plans and you know find some more open shots for for all these guys. That's that's. I'm looking at the coaches, not so much on the players. They're simply you know doing what they're used to and taking the word of some all time great guys on that staff right so i'm not really on the players that much also you gotta get, you gotta get used to playing with those other people as well i'm looking at coaches i'm looking at their decision making and i'm saying as of right now it is not going to be just easy you know smooth sailing to to a gold medal this year i think they will get it i'm not going to say they're not going to get it uh but it's going to be tough man i know booker holiday and middleton are going to join after the finals which is going to help but neither one of those guys are seven feet tall they might have to go out and, and <laughs> another one if they're allowed. I don't, I don't even know if they're allowed to sign more players as of right now. But if they are, go get uh, a Brooke Lopez. I don't know. Get it. Get it. Yeah, I was like, buddy, man. I don't understand how Brooke Lopez isn't on the team over Kevin Love. And Kevin Love is. Yeah. How is Kevin Love and and some some of these other rookies? You know, some of these other really young players made the roster. And it's like, how is Keldon Johnson? on this and not brooke lopez or something like that right so I, I don't understand that whatsoever especially the kevin love thing at least brooke lopez can be a paint presence for you down low so i don't get it at all i'm looking at you know what they've done so far and then the lack of chemistry as well but they should still they should still take away that gold medal when it's all said and done you know yeah i mean they should but i also would have said they should destroy nigeria and they should pretty Beats. handily beat australia 
Yeah, you're a hundred percent correct. They they should have won. I mean, also Australia is is the number three ranked team in the country. I mean, in the Nate. I mean, in the world. Yeah. They're, so like yeah. they're not. They weren't playing scrubs from Australia. Nah, no. Nah, but and and great defensive team as well. They are. You know. But you're the U.S. You invented the sport. Go out there and just dunk over everybody. You're the you United have the States. Best players, you have all the best players in the world on your team. How are you not going out there? And and I know your defense couldn't. Be, how are you not going out there and dropping 150 points every single time with all that offense? How are you not scoring? They're they're not even getting over a hundred in some of these games. Not even a hundred points. The guys on the roster, whoever's 25, 27, 30, 24, 27, 28. How? Yeah. Are you- Blowing them out of the water, you know? Yeah, I mean, out of those two games, they scored 90 against Nigeria and 83 against Australia. <laughs> yeah, they did. They haven't eclipsed 100 points yet. So that's the big thing. You know, you, you got to get down, you get in get in the uh, coaching staff and say, hey, let's figure this out because we're the brains, right? We got we got to put them in the right spots. It's not going to be all, all isolation, all hair. Go Kevin Durant. Go, go Damian. Go Zach Levine, go Bradley Beal, because team defenses are going to find a way to shut that stuff down, and they already have NCAA exhibition games going on. So I, I love it, though. I love more and more competition because that's going to force me to watch these games. I watched the game against Australia. I was not impressed whatsoever with Team USA, and that's going to make me, though, be more and more intrigued and perhaps watch more Olympic basketball because I know it's not going to be just 150-point blowouts. It could be a nail-biter, 115 to 120, uh, something like that going right down to the wire, you know? So it, I am happy to see it as a fan, better uh, better competition to say the least, but ultimately I'm disappointed in how they've started the, these exhibition games, you know? I really am. Yeah, I yeah, I mean, I want the games to be close. So that way they're fun to watch, but I still want the U.S. to win those games. I don't want them to lose. <laughs> That's embarrassing, yeah. man. I don't want y'all to lose. They're bragging all these times. All this how we have the best players in the world, right? So – Competition is increasing all over the world. You, you got to give props to the teams that beat them as well. They played phenomenal with a chip on their shoulder uh, saying, you know, we are not going to just fold for all these NBA All-Stars. So I love it on both ends. World, It is a global game, and the world is getting better and better, not just here in the USA. Uh, but, man, so much going on in the world of sports. Uh, uh, what I, I saw a list just being released just the other day, but like top 10 NFL quarterbacks that was just came out. We're still obviously in the beginning stages of like training camps and OTAs and stuff like that. Mini camp, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. Training camps start next week. Officially they start next week. I saw Aaron Rodgers mm-hmm. say he's going to start training and then we'll see. <laughs> he said, we'll see what happens next. So I think he's going to be back in green Bay. You know, we, we haven't really heard all that much recently. I think I think it's just a foregone clue. This could be his last year, but I think it's one more season at least as a Packer. I would say as of right now, you know. And Pete Alonso hit about a million home runs last night in the home run derby. So facts. facts. So the that was exciting. Was Obviously, uh, that was a little yeah MLB. Yeah, MLB All Star Game tonight. So tonight yesterday, if you're listening on Wednesday, yeah. Exactly. So a lot going on in sports. The McGregor fight was just, was just this past weekend. A disappointing end to the fight. You know, I wanted to see an official knockout. And, you know, a guy just holding him out for that fight, making it, making him tap or something. Right? That was what I was truly hoping for. On either end, Poirier won the first round. No one's going to dispute that. He won that first round quite easily. Uh, a few nice shots by Connor here and there for sure. Nearly had him in that hold uh, for submission. He got out of it. But... For it to end with his leg just to snap like that is 
a disappointing way to end such a big it was the second biggest ufc fight of all time pay-per-view wise second biggest of yeah. all time you know so you can't say the sport's better with mcgregor <laughs> you can't, yeah you for can't, sure you know like but people loved have loved conor mcgregor mostly since the jose aldo fight that's like whenever he blew up, blew up. Like people liked him before, but that's whenever he became the most popular fighter in the world. Since then, he's had a losing record. Yeah, exactly that. He's won. I, I you were saying what? He's won one fight since Barack since... Obama was in office. One fight, and it's been a while. We've had a whole other president, and then another guy get elected since then as well. It's been a while since he's been in there, and he's only won the one fight against uh, Cerrone. And we, that was that was an attaboy. He was like, "Here you go, bro. I'm here just for fun, for the money, basically, because I love fighting as well." A quick knee to the face, ten seconds in, and he wins. So it's like, that was nothing. That was I, I did not take anything away from that fight. Though saying, you know, besides, hey, Connor maybe is back and is starting to fight again. But besides that, it was it was nothing impressive. Didn't take anything away from that one victory. It's been a bunch of losses since then. You know, bunch of them as well. Yeah, yeah, and he did look better in this fight like even though he was even though he was losing in the first round he still did get some good licks in he did still get some good kicks in from the ground but i mean when your leg just when your shin hits the floor there's not much you can do not good at all it was tough to watch he knew right away as well but i I agree He, he had a different confidence in the octagon this time you know and we know he has it in in the in the uh, press conference that's that's usually what we see from him right but he came out with urgency right away which is usually how we see him winning fights right yeah i i love when both guys still smack talk each other after the fight that's how you know the animosity is actually real he was sitting down talking about Poirier's wife with a snapped ankle saying your wife's in my DMs and he's just got his just got beat and just had your ankle broken and he's still talking man he's still talking phenomenal for the sport though tons of people tuned in i had a good time watching all the fights as well i had a great time i tuned in on color cast for most of the night with live with dave uh, I, I had a great time watching watching all the fights basically listening to all the fights as well but it's better when he's in it, McGregor, and it's better when he's doing well. I think we can all agree on that. And hopefully, hopefully this was not the last we see. And hopefully he comes back with the same amount of swag, the same amount of confidence, with more urgency in the ring. You know, that's that's what yeah. I'm hoping for. Yeah, I expect next fight for McGregor would be another Nate Diaz fight. Oh, the trilogy yes. there. Both those guys have kind of – I don't think either one of those guys are true – yeah. championship contenders anymore at this mm-hmm. point in their career no. but they both sell fights they both yes. are fun to watch so yeah. i expect that will be the next one yeah i think you're 100 correct and connor did say uh people asked him you know can we expect a trilogy with diaz and he said yes 100 i am we, we are going to do that sometime he said obviously it was before the injury uh, in one of the press conferences and even dana white was like yeah We'll set that up for sure. We want we want to make some money. Of course, <laughs> we would set that up. So that I think I think that's and a guess what? Idea. And guess what? They're gonna sell a bunch of pay per views when that they could do that be, fight. That could overtop the uh, Dustin Connor trilogy. That I, I'm, I could I'm, very I'm sure well see that. I could see that being number one. Yeah, because number two. Yeah, because because both those guys have draw. Dustin Poirier doesn't have the draw that Diaz has, though he has the skill and you know what what you want to see. Yeah, when you watch. You yeah, know, he's, he's a better, he's a better, he's a better fighter. Yeah, without he a doubt, without doesn't have the draw. 
Exactly, right? Exactly. Doesn't have the, the, the fan base as a McGregor and Diaz. So I, I 100% agree. And that would be a phenomenal. Don't know if he wanted to start out with that. Maybe start off with a lower, more Cerrone fight to make sure that leg's okay. Uh, but then after that, once he, once he's back in the swing of things, the Diaz trilogy would be phenomenal. And I know I won't buy it, but I'll go somewhere to watch it, you know, or something like that. I know I will be watching that for sure. So, and it's going to sell. It's going to sell pay-per-view. So, I, I agree. Hopefully, though, my last takeaway of that is hopefully it's not the last time we see of him. And he comes back as roughly the same guy as we saw before. You know, that that's basically yeah. where I am as of right now. But great show today. Again, another shout out to Brad Johnson for joining us on the first half of the podcast. Go follow him on Twitter, on Instagram, on TikTok. He's he's a big bad Brad 14 on most things. If he, if that's not his uh, at on Twitter, just simply search Brad Johnson. We'll be tweeting out his at a bunch within the next couple of days. So click that uh, at go give him a follow show some DTS love. Uh, here, but a great show today, Tanner. Overall, very happy with it. Ben Simmons on the move, more than likely something we talked about a while ago as well. Uh, the finals ramping up. Can Milwaukee tie the series on Wednesday? The Olympic basketball, obviously, underperforming. Hopefully, they can get their craft together and pull together a string of victories going for that gold medal. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. But for this week's but, episode of Dudes Talking Sports, you know, again, go follow us on Twitter, dudes underscore talking, or dudes talking underscore pod. On Instagram, dudes underscore talking underscore pod. We were hacked on our last Instagram account. So if you don't follow our new it's one, dudes underscore talking underscore sports. On Instagram now, especially that. So go go follow us on both of those. Uh, subscribe wherever you get your podcast. But for this week's episode, that's Tanner File. I'm Casey Foreman. We'll see you guys next time. What's going on, guys? You're listening to Dudes Talking Sports. I'm your co-host, as always, Casey Foreman, alongside my co-host, Tanner Filed.
getting hurt and then he's going and coming back and playing the playoffs, or it's because he's playing deep in the playoffs. No, this is without trips to the postseason. He can't play in the regular season. You know? Yeah. And he's never been in the big moments. Yeah. I mean, I think he's a good player. Go cards for sure. Uh, go Yankees. Growing up, I was a Yankee fan. As far as everyone listening, thank you all for your continued support. Go follow us on Twitter, dude, talking underscore pod, whatever platform you're listening on. Go give us a follow, a subscribe, a comment, a like, wherever you're, like, wherever you're uh, listening. Go show us some love. Uh, we appreciate everyone's support. Thank you for listening. We can get out. That's Tanner File. I'm Casey Foreman. Thank you guys for listening. I think that's going to be it for this week's episode of the Deuce Talking Sports. Sounds good. Deuce Talking Sports. Sports.